you're delivering what you mean, right? And and mm -hmm. um, I think one one thing I I also harp on when I, when I talk about political safety is uh, if you have a unique vision and you know you're in the marketplace for a reason, mm -hmm. right? If if that company was wanted to do what everybody else did, it, they wouldn't exist. And so there is a unique reason as to why you are here. Welcome to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. Hello, everybody. Grant Hunter here with another Product Growth Leaders topic of the week. Steve, you know, I'm always reading. I'm always watching other people's videos. I'm always learning about uh, what people think and how do we grow. I mean, we do this on this call every week. And I really, really enjoyed a video I watched. Uh, I guess it was in the fall. Uh, called product management, it's about survival me metrics for product management by Adam Thomas. We're lucky to have Adam on this call, but I wanted to talk to you. Uh, talk to me about how often is it, do you see people actually know what to do when they see things change, when the metrics aren't there to how to pivot? Is that one of the harder things in product management or is it just me? Oh, no, I, I think you're right. Uh, it's, um, I see a lot of people who are, are trying to find an easy answer and there often isn't an easy answer you know yes you're in a chaotic situation uh and i i would hope that meetings like this would be a way of uh channeling your frustration and getting some feedback from others on how you might deal with that frustration yes i i agree and i'm sorry for my smiling and laughing because everybody's making fun of me in the chat and my sigh i do when I do the intro to Steve. Uh, so this week, what we decided to do is use that inspiration from Adam, and we'll get Adam and you're talking a little bit more about it in a little bit, uh, and talk about product management survival metrics. And, and you know, after watching Adam's video, I was an interview we did with, with uh, a group reading his blog post, I decided to start our Monday question with, what is your approach to evolving your product strategy when facing challenges or changes in the market? Uh, because to me, this is sort of where the survival metrics come in. It's about how do you understand, how do you survive? It's not just how do you succeed and thrive, but when you're launching something new, how do you make sure you're monitoring the market, monitoring the results, and having some metrics that you can look at to figure out how to pivot? So we wanted to ask people, what's your approach? May Wong, every time you write your theses, and, and this is more of a summary than a thesis, I learn, I grow. Talk to me about your approach. And I know that we probably, prob this is a cognitive bias coming in because you and I often see things in a similar way. But talk to me about your approach uh, to evolving product strategy. So I think evolving product strategy, um, I, I'm going to say I'm not a product strategy expert but I am a change management focused type of person, right? And when you change your product strategy, product strategy being the overall 
what you say you're going to do and therefore what you're not doing. Um, it, it, you need a lot of buy-in, you need a lot of change management, and it's the underlying system that tells you whether or not it's going to work, your change is going to work, right? Even though it's not a process change, the, the actual like day-to-day -day actions don't change, um, the major decisions do. So in terms of like change, not in the standard like process change perspective, but from an organizational mindset, from a we're gonna have to drop what we're doing kind of perspective, I think you have to ask yourself, is your organization set up to allow you to do that, right? Yeah, uh, you have to be set up to do it because, and too often, I think when we get to the poll, we'll talk about some of those issues when it comes to political safety and, and where it is. But I, I love the idea of the sort of organizational readiness and uh, where you want to go. Talk to me, one thing that really resonated, and I know my cognitive bias coming through, you talked about risk management. And, and how product management is risk management, which is something that Steve and I talk about often. Yeah, uh, so I'm just like rereading. Rereading? Re <laughs> um, so I, I actually wrote that sentence just for you, Grant, um, because if you are thinking about changing your product strategy or also thinking about the risk associated with this change, um, in the past, if you have an existing one, you've sold the hell out of that, right? Like you've already told everyone, this is the thing we are doing. And to pivot away from that is also going to take a lot of work because you've convinced someone of A before, and now you're saying A is no longer the case, B is the case, right? How are you going to do that? So it, before you decide on the change, you have to think about how am I going to change it? So yeah. it is very much, risk management it is very much about change management and everything no, affiliated with it I completely and totally and totally agree eva you came in you know from your work with integrations talking about keeping a pulse on the market so part of the approach is making sure you're paying attention to what's going on in the market and you're aware of the market facing things gartner quadrant and such talk to me about your thoughts yeah i think for me it's three major things um market research customer discovery and stakeholder feedback, and then using those three items to kind of go back to your um, development teams and just make sure that they're kind of acting in an agile approach in order so they can kind of shift focus and understand where that shift is coming from. And that's a lowercase a agile, right? Not the, the agile industrial complex. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Paul Hatala, boy, Paul, I, I actually reached out to Paul this morning to make sure that he was going to be on because this answer and the one in the poll both had me thinking, and I wanted to have a chance to dig deep in this. You know, obviously, just like May talking risk management and product management was sort of making me happy. Anybody quoting Roger Martin or Peter Drucker uh, always makes me happy. So talk to me about uh, the shifts, the, the the levers you talked about, sort of your view of how do you do the, what would have to be true? Yeah, like most things I look at as an organic system and, and sort of law of the farm kind of stuff where um, the success of the product or product line in this case, it, there isn't one, one or two things. It's going to be a matter, and, and they depend on each other in the same way that fertilizer, water, timing, sunshine, temperature, et cetera, would affect 
uh, crops. And so I, when I was asked, hey, let's let's look at an investment strategy on where we should apply our, our efforts, um, I said, great, let me let me take a situation that says we have these five things as I as I understand they could be or we could create them to be. And now we can say, great, when something changes here, that's the canary in the coal mine. Let's go back out and, and see if this still works with the, the new scenario. Awesome. And, and you went through five of them, two product related, one persona, one market, one technology. I just realized that I... I must have put the product twice. <laughs> Sorry, there was something else in there. Yeah. No, I, I thought it was a great way. And, and this goes into this idea of you should, when we're making assumptions uh, and, and you know, I, I'm, Adam, I'm going to bring you in right now just because of something you put in the chats. You said, uh, you if you're selling certainty, then you can't sell change at the same time. And I think Paul was sort of going there with, we were making these assumptions, what would have to be true. Talk to me about your take on, on that, right? The difference between selling certainty, which sometimes we have to sell certainty to get people to buy off on what we're doing, but then it makes it harder to change when we need to change. Yeah, I, I think of it like um, almost like morphine in a sense, right? Like it numbs, it numbs everybody else, right? And, and it's great for the time because everybody feels a lot more comfortable. If you go into a room and say, okay, we have this feature and it's always going to be a feature for the most part, right? This feature of this idea or this launch that's going to solve X, Y, and Z problem. Um, and everybody goes, hey, yay, right? Um, and, and it gets people off of our backs, uh, but do that too often. And knowing in the, in the world in which we live, which is a complex world, right? So when, when Paul was bringing up the, that's why I typed in the chat complexity exclamation mark, right? Like the stuff that we work on doesn't often or almost never has just one uh, one variable that affects uh, whatever it is or what 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 works for a company or how we're going to solve a problem. Right? It's often multiple. If you're going into the room and saying that you have one one variable, i.e., a release, i.e., a function, uh, a feature, as much as it makes people feel good, it does not train the other people in the room as to how we best work. And so, yes, it, it morphing in the sense that you numb everyone. But if you do morphing too much, all of a sudden you become a morphine addict. And uh, when, when you're a morphine addict, right, now you're numb until it's time to go. Um, yeah. And, and the, yeah, and so uh, it's super duper important that while we, we think about how do we gain trust in the organizations in which we work, um, we look at all of the tools in our toolbox. Um, and, and think about how we can start to inject as early as we can uh, the idea of uncertainty, ambiguity, uh, failure, um, yeah. and drain the people around us to, know, to see, okay, this is how we best work. And it's gonna ultimately get us to the best result. I think the, the, the book that is screaming to me right now as I'm saying this is uh, Anti-Fragile from um, Nassim Talib, right? The idea is that we don't work in fragile environments, right? We, we should be striving towards anti-fragility. Fragile being um, we release things until, you know, if something bad happens, then we burst or we bust. Uh, and far too often, I, I think talking and working around product teams, they kind of work in that fashion. Everything sounds good until it isn't. And then everybody's scrambling, right? Uh, yeah. because, of, uh, because of a feature release. And these are, and I mean, not to, 
wander off into more of the survival metrics. Oh, thing, oh but, Adam, uh, Adam, the more calls you'll be on with us, the more you realize we wander off plenty of times. Oh, very good. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, and so uh, we, we want, we, when you are in that space, you cannot be strategic, right? It, it's impossible to be, to be strategic because you can't make bets because you're, you're basically saying, I'm delivering with certainty this thing, right? Um, you, met, you mentioned Martin earlier. One thing I love, one quote of his that I like blew my mind. I watched a YouTube video of his maybe a week ago um, where he was talking about the difference between strategy and planning and the fact that they are antithetical to each other. And like, I, yes, right? That is a planning mindset in which you're releasing um, thing to thing to point to point to point to point, right? You're following a plan, um, yeah. which even in the Agile Manifesto, right? Like, um, that's <laughs> and antithetical to, to, to what the manifesto tells us, right? If you're gonna be agile, uh, lowercase a, not sold in package. Um, to, to, so, to, yeah. take that, to take that further down with Roger Martin, I, it may have been the same blog post that he did the video for. He talked about how there is no execution. There's only strategy. If our, if our job is to make decisions, right? Even people executing are making decisions and if making decisions with limited knowledge and assumptions is strategy, even those decisions all the way downstream where the rubber hits the road, where the ice melts, as Rita McGrath would say, are strategy. And, and our job is to create this environment where we have these guiding policies back to Rummelt's kernel, which I know you're a fan of, that we can now start giving, understand the diagnosis, do our, our our, our guiding policy and determine those actions, but also roll those down, cascade those downstream to let people doing that. So someday, Adam, you and I are going to have to just do a, a deep dive on product strategy like you and Jason did. Uh, Corey, this ties to your answer. I, you, the, the simplicity of your answer I, just blew me away, right? See if it still helps you achieve your product vision. Go back to that vision. Start with a vision, right? Yeah. Um, I, your strategy is going to change just by default, it's going to change. Either you're going to accomplish a goal and it needs to go to something else or something will happen in the market, something will have to the customer, something will have to your product. Something's going to change the different strategies you're approaching, but it should still help you meet that vision. Um, and that's why I would loop back to, okay, let's start with that and make sure that our vision is still strong. If our vision is still strong and our vision is still relevant, then there's multiple strategies that could help us get there. Let's see which ones we want to pick to go forward with for the next three months or the next six months, or maybe the next year or so. We'll try that strategy and then adapt as we learn and uh, figure out more. Or there's some event like a global pandemic that causes our strategy to be out the window and maybe, or maybe not. I mean, it's interesting. I, I haven't seen any studies on this, but I would love to see how many strategies changed in 2020 and how many didn't because they knew their customers, they knew their market, they knew the problems they were trying to solve and how it got implemented was different, but that's not really strategy. Well, and actually I was about to say, maybe there's a third bucket of people who didn't have strategy and didn't change strategy because there was no strategy. They may have changed their targets, their objectives, their goals, Yeah, but that's not strategy because they right. most companies don't do strategy. Uh, it, it, you know, uh, God, again, another rabbit trail I could go down. <laughs> Dominic, along the lines on this product strategy and along the lines of even channeling a Roger Martin, because you talk about 
you know, strategy as a set of choices, which I think is some, either he said that or, or his mentor, uh, Michael Porter said that, right? And, and you still came back to Prague Vision. Talk to me about where your head is on this. Yeah, I'll, I'll be pretty short this week. I mean, I have nothing to add to Corey's comments. And I mean, except that um, we will all be millionaires if we didn't change our strategy in 2022, right? I mean, it's uh, it, strategy is evolving. I mean, it's it's obvious. It's like like I, I said in the post, it's a set of choices, right? But what, what's important is really uh, the ability to make adjustments uh, all, all along the way, right? And, and that's you know um, a, a key piece of it. So I mean, to to, to me, we're you know, it was an interesting question in, uh, for, for this week because uh, it's our day-to-day -day life. It's not just a, you know, um, oh, suddenly we have a challenge. We have challenges every day, right? So we have to be ready to evolve, adapt uh, with our strategies. I, it, it, I'm, Adam had talked about, you know, failing and that type of stuff. And one of the things I loved about I've loved recently is seeing people really pivoting. And Steve, I've seen you do that. Instead of failing fast, learning fast, right? And that's what the thing is, is we're always continually adapting. And I, you know, I get often asked, you know, how frequently should we be reviewing our strategy and updating stuff? I'm like, it depends on the speed of your market, right? It dep depends on the speed of change. And the time, like in three years ago at this exact time, when the pandemic was just forming and things were changing, involving fast, you need to be doing it regularly, you know, where as things, depending on your market as well, you know, if, if you've got products that were sold a century ago that are still out there being serviced, right, in some ways you, you need to have a long view uh, in, in where you go with that. So I, I, I love this idea of, you know, living and active and growing and, and always learning and, and, and making those little tweaks to go to it. And I think it really leans into the survival metric stuff. We'll get to that in a little bit. Which is why learning is at the core of product management. Yes, it is. And the Quartz Open Framework. And of the Quartz Open Framework. <laughs> uh, Leah, you talked about when in doubt, keep your eyes on the general company strategy and OKRs. Help it narrow the focus. Yeah. I mean, that kind of goes along with what Corey said, too. And um, I think- So Corey's I'm winning round one. Corey's winning, per usual. Um, <laughs> But I think like to go back, yeah, take a bow. Um, I wanted to mention how important it is to get everyone in the company to think like a product manager. I am a big advocate of this because at, when I first started product management, I remember when salespeople would say, you know, is it on the roadmap? Can you put it on the roadmap? And my mentor would say, there is no such thing as a roadmap. There's no such thing. And I used to think like, wow, that's weird. Um, because it's a, you know, like product management buzzwords and it felt like, yeah, of course we have to have a roadmap, but it's so squishy and always evolving. It's just kind of a dumping ground for our ideas that constantly change and getting people in other departments to really understand that and that things are always changing and that it's, it's more than a, you know, subject to change line. It's them to really understand that this is just constantly changing, but aligning with the company vision as we get more information. Um, so like every, almost every topic of the week over communication is the key. Really <laughs> all the mess, all the information you're constantly getting and burdening your co coworkers. 
with that information. I like burden other people. I'm like, you need to hear this because it's buzzing in my brain and you need to understand that this is so complex and there's so much information and to get them to understand like, damn, yeah, there's a lot to go into this and I understand why it's evolving can help. <laughs> no, definitely. And DJ, I feel like she just roll it, rolled right into your answer as well. Perfect segue, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's precisely, that was my response. And, you know, this is my, my, my keep it simple, stupid kind of approach is just, um, you know, when, when there's a lot of uncertainty or change, uh, oftentimes over communicating has, has worked for me. Uh, one to sort of get information, understand what's going on in the market. Um, and then that sort of informs the, the new path that's, uh, that we take as a team or a company. And then over communication sort of closes the loop in terms of setting those new expectations and getting feedback from leadership and, and those that you need buy-in from. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, boy, it, a lot of great answers that, that were in the community this week. Uh, you know, I want to get to both Karen and Dash to get their thoughts, but Adam, I went, we went down a little bit with you on sort of into some of the survival metrics, but you know, I want to go back to the, the, the original question. How did you, but how did you, you know, where did this come from? Were you dealing with a change in strategy and you were forced sort of on the ground to, to, to figure this out? And, and, you know, how did you, you know, do it? So <clears throat> survival metrics is, I, I think, a, a, a mix of experiences I was having at, at one time, right? Um, one, I just left a consulting firm where all I did uh, as a product strategist was go help people solve fires, right? Um, I mentioned Chris Butler in the chat earlier. That's when I worked uh, for him, right? And he basically, I, I call it my finishing school for product because, especially strategy, because all I did was, uh, all we did was work on strategy and, and how to operationalize it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't. It is, um, and, and to companies. And then I moved over to run product at a, uh, at a, at a software company. And I noticed that the issues weren't necessarily um, kind of what they were doing. The issues were how they thought about getting there, right? Mm -hmm. um, and at first I kind of started doing, you know, you start talking about, I did what every product leader at their first stop does wrong, which is, just start giving definitions, right? How do you guys, you know, do this, do that, do this, do that, right? And um, and then you notice people start using the language, but you can tell they don't really understand it. Um, and so I, I, I recognized that I needed to kind of go down a level. I'd start to infuse different ways of, um, I needed to connect basically what the executives were saying, because, Right. The other thing you learn from product leadership is one, <laughs> the executives aren't big bad wolves, right? They have a point of view. And generally, like if you just connect with them, right? They're not out to get you. They're looking for a success, right? They just have a lot of fear around the, the things that they're seeing. And then on kind of the middle layer, which are your peers, <laughs> thinking about your directors of engineering, your head of sales, yada, yada, yada. They also have a set of things happening. Um, and then you have your direct reports, which are the teams. This is a complex mix, mess of, of, uh, of, of inputs. 
So how do you pull out of that? What do you pull out of that? Well, one, I realized that you need to start thinking about the values of the organization. How do you start to connect a language of how we think and how we operate? Um, and so that became the political safety piece is where yep. it started. Um, then I realized that we had no idea. <laughs> you had no idea. Uh, metrics are such a funny thing because a lot of folks talk about metrics. They create metrics, they share metrics, but they don't really know what the metrics mean. And so I started thinking about data literacy. Um, and yeah. that's where the data informed piece comes in. Because like, how do you connect that to the values uh, of the company? And, and, and not then, just metrics for metrics sake, but metrics that yes. actually matter. Yes, exactly, right? Like it, it starts at, you know, the prioritized piece of the, of the data informed side, right? How do you start to cut down on things that, cut down on numbers, right? Everybody has numbers, but what are the yeah. important numbers? Um, and then you go back and I kind of, it kind of backed me up into strategy, right? Strategy is the thing that connects these two things, right? And so um, strategy has a whole bunch of things that are tied to it, uh, particularly decision speed. If people believe in strategy and know that they can make changes, uh, they act faster. And it's counterintuitive, but um, I think a function on, a function of, to understand uh, how fast a team can make decisions or how fast a team, look at how, uh, a team's decision velocity, right? Um, and, and their release velocity, look at how many decisions they can route um, in the last quarter. Mm -hmm. Because if they're able to throw things out, um, uh, they're able to uh, get to what works faster. Yeah. And so, um, it's super duper important and kind of mixing all these three things when I was um, at that company, um, putting it all together, not only did we, um, I came into that company on the brink of a layoff or, or, or after layoff, after layoff, right? And so everybody hated each other. And to see the difference between implementing survival metrics kind of at the start of that to a year later where, um, you know, uh, it went from, we kind of want to try all these things to a, a very strategic and focused way of being um, where not only did we feel more strategic, we also started releasing faster, right? We also, uh, people felt more confident in speaking up during things like all hands um, and getting well, to the I, bottom that of Sometimes that's almost counterintuitive to be more strategic and executing faster. I mean- yes. See, that's, that's the thing. And I think that's where Martin is getting at, right? There's no execution, there's strategy. Because I, like, yeah. it's like watching, literally watching it happen um, in a place where like, you know, no one else to blame. Uh, it's like, instead of being a strategist and kind of helping companies, literally sitting in, in, and watching that transformation happen um, was a huge jump in my career. And one of the things that led to this, uh, because yeah, like strategy, strategy will make things move way quicker. The problem is people go to the kids. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, people. Yeah. Awesome. This is great, Adam. Uh, Karen, I know you said you don't have anything, but I know you always have something to say. If we where, can where is the unmute button is my first question. You got it. Um, I, I don't really have a lot to add this week. I'm more a, uh, a, a fly on the wall 
it's just been one of those weeks. So um, I'm, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut for once. <laughs> okay. All right. If, if you want to, just tell me in the chat and we'll, we'll get for you For sure. Will do. Dutch. Yeah. I mean, so much that has been said already today, uh, you know. Yeah, well, so I'll, I'll back it up to the original question, which leads to how I'm going to answer this also. You know, how do you manage your strategy when the market is changing? Um, you, you go back to the basics. And when we're talking about product growth, it doesn't matter whether you're growing it from zero to one or one to two or two to 2.5. I mean, you... You look at, you analyze the situation, the users, the customers, whatever, identify whether, what the problem is. is. Has the market changed? Is there a new problem or is it the same problem with the twist or maybe a new, you know, hole in the problem has been revealed or something? And whatever that new problem or definition of the problem is, is that a problem that we want to solve or should solve? And is it something that we already have solutions to or something that we can and should build solutions to? And I mean, that's all what strategy is. Going back to the basics, every time that you learn something new, are we still aligned with it or not? And if we're not aligned to it, should we be? And if we should be, then, then you go and start going into the how uh, when and what and where and all that of, of what solution to then provide to what the problem is. I, it, it's I get, it's sort of like Corey was very succinct with the, the product vision. I loved where you sort of really took it back to our assumptions. We're making these strategy decisions based on assumptions. The changes right. are normally changes in those assumptions or invalidation of those assumptions. And right. we just go back to that same place where we need to take a step back reevaluate re our our knowledge and our assumptions and hypotheses based on those go to the, yep. the Roger Martin what would have to be true and, and 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 really be in a place where we can you know make the right changes but if 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 we go into it and this sort of is me doing a summary of everything we've been talking about going into it without certainty going into it knowing that these are based on assumptions and hypotheses and that as we learn those things may change that's one of the biggest mistakes i see companies make is they make a decision on a product or a market based on an assumption. And even when they learn that that assumption is invalid, they run right through that and they just keep doing it. Uh, it, it, it I don't know. Steve, boy, this has been a fairly dense conversation. Your, your thoughts. You're on mute. You're on mute, Steve. I feel like the market doesn't change nearly as fast as everyone thinks it does. You know, I remember when, you know, Agile was like the new thing and it was like 15 years before anybody was using the term Agile. I mean, the Agile Manifesto was written in 2001 based on methodologies that were developed in the mid 90s. And, you know, in, in 2015 and 2020, people are going, we're thinking about going Agile. You know, it's like things don't change that much. And as someone pointed out in the chat, if you're focused on problems rather than obsessing about solutions, then you're aware of these things and your strategy takes that into account. Uh, but I am reminded of the first time I presented a roadmap and the sales team said, can you commit, can you guarantee the delivery of this roadmap? And I said, oh, uh, absolutely. 
I guarantee we will not change this roadmap one iota. And they went, oh, well, no, 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 I need changes. And you're like, well, which one is it? Do you want to have the commitment or do you want to have changes? And they're like, I don't understand this conversation. <laughs> right? But, you know, I, I think if you're, if you're focused on personas and their problems, a lot of this nonsense disappears. Yep. It really does. And, and our assumptions around those, right? Our assumptions on what those problems is and the value to solve it and their motivations and willingness to solve it. You know, I think a lot of it can come down to that. And then we go back to having this flexible, here's what we think would happen. But if this is not the case, here's where we go and maybe even get proactive about it. And you uh, know, a point you made earlier, our business didn't change one iota with COVID because we didn't define our business as traveling trainers and traveling consultants. We defined our business yeah. as helping teams transform. And we were already doing all this stuff on Zoom. It wasn't a new concept for us. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, again, get to the focus on the problem, the solution, the way you solve it may change and will change with technology, with changes, with everything that's going out there. But if we, if we remain focused on the personas and the problems and the value for solving it, uh, I think we're in a great place. Adam had brought up uh, his, uh, the three pillars he called it. We, we may have a conversation on uh, if we're going to call them pillars or something else. But what we decided to do in the poll was take the, uh, the pillars of making faster decisions, becoming more data informed and increasing political safety, uh, which Adam talks about in the video and in, in the thing, and, and, and basically identify which is the hardest. So we put those out there uh, with other it depends. And, and May, I guess I'm going to have to start with you for other it depends. Uh, you were part of the 8% who did that. So I want to understand, you know, where your head was with that? So I feel I feel very strongly about the word pillar, and I don't think it is the right word for it because usually pillars are the thing that helps you to set set the strategy, set the direction, right? Whereas I feel like all of these components, like if you read into the definitions of each one, you're more talking about how do we make sure whatever you set is successful within the context of the organization. So these are really more metrics than pillars or metrics than foundation, right? The foundation of your change is all of the research, the data, the evidence, the, the why, the how, the what are we not doing instead, the why are we moving away from our previous strategy. That's kind of like more the pillars and foundations of finding that strategy. but like the act of setting it, the work that's required to make it successful, I feel like that's more what these are. Um, and I think it's important to differentiate between the two because there is a lot of work in setting strategy. There's a, there is a lot of work at implementing strategy and doing something with it and the day-to-day -day work that comes along with it, including objectives and whatnot and like stakeholder management and pushing out all of the other side quests as I call them. So I think it's important to like actually fully differentiate between the two. Um, I, I can't with good conscience vote for something called pillars. Um, just because I've spent we, a lot of time talking call, about pillars. <laughs> if we call them something other than pillars, is there one you think would have been the hardest? I, metrics is fine. Um, so in terms of metrics, I think coming up 
with the the why, so the data informed, generally speaking. Um, but mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Like it depends on the organization, right? Okay. Uh, and, and Adam in, in the in the chat had, or in the in the community had said, would foundation work better? Is there a good word that would work for you, or do you like metrics because we can measure each of these? May. Sorry, I'm. I did not follow the question. <laughs> uh, in in the in the comments, Adam had wondered if foundation was a better word. Is there a better word? Uh, uh, I prefer survival metrics. I think it's it, so it, just these right are metrics. Me these awesome. are metrics. Yeah. Awesome, Adam. How do you what do you think about that? Um, <clears throat> it's the thing I have. Naming and these things are like literally the like, I have no allegiance to any of it. <laughs> it, it, like, it really is the like worst part of, of, of it's the thing I give the least thought about. Um, and naming I'll be the honest, what, the naming the things. Pillars came from a speaking coach I had two years ago when I first started like trying to get this to a place where a talk could be useful to, to people. Yeah. And she was just like, Hey, these sound like pillars, and I was like, "All right, guess that's where it is." Uh, <laughs> and, well, may, I think to May's point, maybe it's maybe it's survival metrics itself, right? Because we can measure and should be able to measure each of these at least at some level of uh, of where we want to be. You voted for uh, making faster decisions, and I want to give you and Eva a chance to talk about your vote there. Um, I think it might. Making faster decisions is, I think, at the core of what we talked about earlier around strategy. How does how do you, how do you give people the ability to make decisions? Right? I think strategy is the key to that, and a strategy that people trust. Right? Do you have trust in your strategy enough to say, "Hey, uh, Bob over there um, in in our Austin office can make a decision or not?" Right. Mm -hmm. Do you think that he understands that enough? Uh, and what I, I've found is the trust that people have both on the middle layer, which would be kind of your director, VP layer, and then also your executive layer is very, it doesn't really exist. Right. And this is where you start getting things like poop and swoop and, you know, poop and swoop being when managers or whatever will come by and say, you guys should work on this. <clears throat> we get a nod. Um, <clears throat> and so no, getting I, people I, to make those decisions, it's, it's I, I feel like it's the toughest thing to get people to, to push into. Um, but they're all I different. agree. I, I agree. I was starting to think about if you have political safety and your data forms, you can make faster decisions and you, you may need both of those other two to get to the faster decision. So I, I can sort of see that. Eva, uh, you voted here as well. Any, any two cents to add? I mean, I would just say leadership needs to empower everyone to be able to make decisions and to embrace mistakes if they do occur. I think the teams, this kind of goes hand in hand with political safety. If the, the organization is blaming someone for making a mistake. I mean, I personally love to make mistakes because I feel like that's the only way I'm going to learn and grow. So um, I do think making faster decisions is the only way to kind of 
you know, change perspectives when you're working on different product strategies? I, I, I'll be honest. I've, you know, the more I was thinking about it when I was preparing this morning, the more I was leaning towards the faster decisions because I think it needs the other two. Uh, so I, I think I'm, I, I may be aligning with you and Adam and leaving the, the one that's got the most votes. Uh, Karen, you have your hand raised. Yeah, um, I couldn't help myself. I'm coming from a position of having been in product management for many, many years, and I have switched into product operations. So I just want to make a comment on making faster decisions. Um, it sounds great to, to be able to pivot and move with the market. The challenge that I see from an operations standpoint is how do you do that organizationally? Because there's a lot of momentum behind whatever decision was made last time. And when executives need to make this shift, like May was talking about before in terms of change management, there have to be, there has to be a culture and systems in place that allow that shift to actually take place. I've seen many instances where they think they've made this shift just because they said it and it sounded really good, but our capability, I shouldn't say our capability, I've, I've looked at a lot of different places, the organizational capability to implement that shift is often lagging. Yeah, I mean, we can only move as fast as the organization can move, right? Mm -hmm. I, I totally love that and, and, and get that. Thank you, Karen. Uh, Leah, you were the one person on the call who voted for becoming more data informed. You said sometimes you have to move quicker than you have time to gather the data. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I don't know if this is just my personal experience, but when pivoting or changing product strategy, of course you have to increase political safety. But to get them to take a step further and allot you the time you need to put in like data tracking or user behavior metrics or anything like that, you have to actually implement that as you're pivoting is a hard sell. I've personally found this to be difficult. It's one thing to like actually build a solution and build software that helps you in your new product strategy. But to say, hey, I need a little bit time more um, to actually implement, you know, SLAs, uh, user behavior metrics, all these things to help us inform us in the future is harder, I, I have found, because they're like, they don't get it. And um, it's like, they need, we need to move faster than that. We can't just dilly dally. I feel like logging SLAs, just data in general gets left behind way easier because it just takes so much extra time and you have to move faster. So I've just found it personally. I, I make makes I, again we need all of these things right just like anytime we do the poll it's not like any of these are wrong it's right. just that these are you know Hard. which one's harder right. mm -hmm. uh and i totally get it steve you did you vote i did not but i did want to say you know people hate infrastructure and they love features and what Leah's talking about is spot on <laughs> you want to make data decisions you have to put an in infrastructure and everybody's like oh, that doesn't sound fun. And it's not fun. You know, building roads is not fun, but I sure am glad we have them. Uh, and those of you who have been through a class with me know, you know, my roof leaks and I want new carpet. Which one should I do? And, you know, you need to replace the roof. So infrastructure is something we often ignore and it, it lives beyond strategy. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I, but you didn't vote. What did you, what would you vote for? I can't see well enough. Okay. Um, let's see. I will, um, I'll join the crowd with increasing political safety. I don't need to make, I don't think we need to make faster decisions. I don't, I do like us being data informed, but I honestly think that the industry doesn't move quickly. What happens is people suddenly become aware of things that we've known for a long time. Like yeah. chat GBT is so hot right now, but what it really says is search sucks and it has for years. It's not that the market changed, it's that this new tool came along and revealed to uh, vendors how dissatisfied their entire user base is. Yeah. Anyway, rant over. Uh, Sorry, I didn't turn on my rant yeah. sign or anything. Yes, we need your rant sign, Steve. Uh, Dutch, I'm gonna go to you before I get to some of the people who I know who voted, just because I don't <laughs> know where you would vote. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a tough one, you know, because the question is, which is the hardest? <clears throat> and so, yeah, I mean, there's there's political safety, there's there's getting the right data, there's trying to tell people about, you know, well, this was our data, and this is where things have changed. Because again, we're talking about changing strategy. I think making it's it would be challenging, and maybe harder to to do the fast decision because well, you already had assumptions, you already had knowledge and you made decisions and now things are having to change. And so it's a matter of, do you have now have all the right data and political safety to make these decisions and, and go with them? Or do you, and maybe this is just my ADHD overanalyzing everything, but do you now have enough and the right data in order to make a new strategy decision uh, in order to pivot and change and convince people that that's the right decision now and why it wasn't the right decision before. So I think it's it's hardest to make the fast decision after you've gathered the data and, and you've talked with your leadership and stuff about it. No, I, I com completely and totally, I, my mind has been shifting during this call and even before this call, I think towards that because I think yeah. we need the other two to do it. Uh, Corey, Paul and Dominic, we've got you guys left. Uh, all on the increasing political safety. I have already done a terrible job selling my vote for increasing political safety because I've talked about probably shifting my, my vote. Uh, I'm going to start with Paul because he was the first person to vote. So I, I see these kind of as products, things that, that multiply together. And, and when you don't have enough of one, the others end up being zero. Um, and so I, I, I think that people go back to seek political safety when they don't feel comfortable with the data and then they slow down. Um, and at least that's what, what I've seen. So that's what sort of drove my vote. So you end up getting zero because there wasn't enough political safety and, and now we need more data or more something and you lose the speed. Um, so I see it almost as a triangle where they pull uh, in different directions. And as soon as one goes down to zero, you're just done. No, I, I, and I think that's where I originally was with my vote. I, I'm moving, I'm fl fluid uh, <laughs> with this. Corey. So if you have to ask for permission for something, <laughs> <laughs> or if you have to ask for forgiveness, 
yeah. political safety to me, I've, I've seen and been in too many places where I had to ask permission for 98% of what I did during the day. We want to we want to prioritize this feature over this feature because this thing is more interesting than this. No, 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 we can't do that. Um, or I want to challenge you on what you've said is our priority for this quarter. I think it should be this. No, we can't do that. Um, I've been told to shut up so many times, um, as Steve alluded to last week when he told me to shut up after he thought I wasn't listening. Uh, but that type of stuff, <laughs> if we can't discuss these things, if we have to ask permission for everything that we think as product managers are good and we should be doing, either strategy, feature, whatever, you know, problem, whatever, if we have to ask for permission for those, or every time we make a small mistake in one of those, we get uh, uh, demoted or fired or, or told we can't do anything else, that's cultural stuff. That's, you know, is, is it okay to do that? And most of the time in a political situation, um, it's not. It, it's go, that goes back to our conversation a few weeks ago on toxic companies, toxic bosses, right? And Good, yeah. the political, uh, I totally, totally agree. You're, you're winning me back, Corey. Dominic. Um, well, not too much to add to all these great discussion. Um, I'll just go back to the original comment that May made uh, about metrics, right? And if you look at those, you, know, you can measure fast decision, you can measure, you know, um, data intake and whatnot. Political safety, how do we measure that? I'll leave it at Turnover that. Turnover of employees? <laughs> Turnover is good. Um, <clears throat> Value alignment is also good. Um, one way I, <clears throat> one way I, 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 you can count, um, and this is just a really bad. Just take a sample of, of releases over the last you know x amount of time and see how many values are kind of either the name or, or the value itself are, are are being portrayed in that release. Um, and if you don't see it. Uh, then your, your political safety is probably low because you're not, you don't have a, a similar language that you're speaking um, across a team or across many teams. Um, so like, I, I always look at values as a, as a kind of a cheat code around political safety um, because that's going to tell you how, you're, how you guys are, are, are talking. So if your values and the releases align with the values of the company or the vision and the strategy, you're, you're sort of a little, you're delivering what's safe? Is that what? You're delivering what you mean, right? And and mm -hmm. um, I think one one thing I I also harp on when I, when I talk about political safety is uh, if you have a unique vision and you know you're in the marketplace for a reason, mm -hmm. right? If if that company was wanted to do what everybody else did, it, they wouldn't exist. And so there is a unique reason as to why you are here. If you have, um, if you are following, um, wow, Steve makes a great point in the chat too. Um, if you're following, <laughs> uh, if you're following what everyone else is doing and your features are very similar to everyone else, right? I'd argue you have very little political safety because you're not really following your values because again, you're here for a reason. Um, and, uh, and so I, I think Steve also made a, a hint to that. Right. How many times are you saying no? Are your features very similar to everyone else? If so, then that's bad. If, if they are different in the marketplace, then they can probably tell you that they, there's some political safety there because you're not, you're not running to the next person that says, well, 
uh, competitor A has this, so we need it, right? Um, and that, that conversation happens way too much for me. That, that's, that's a, I, I love that insight and there's some, some great comments in the chat. I, May, I want to get to you before we, we're going to head the lightning round right away because we have, we're not going to have time for any more uh, open-ended questions. Talk to me about the political safety of the actual product strategy. Yeah, so like, I was reading through Adam's article and like the word political safety as it relates to the product strategy that, you, um, that you've picked. So it's about how much, how safe is the strategy as in like, how, what is its longevity in the context of the organization? At least that's how I interpreted it. Um, so like one way to measure it, I guess, is the amount of pushback you can resolve from your other stakeholders. So for example, if sales comes to you, it's like, our competitor has this, why don't you have it? You can provide that evidence against it, right? So in a way you are political, politically stable, you're in an organization that supports your decision like even though they might keep pushing back, it might be a gentler pushback. It, they might not be able to go to the top and override you. Um, also, like there's going to be other side quests, right? Like how strong is this strategy? Like if you think about it as metrics for your product strategy, how strong is the strategy against the other possible things that could be strategic, right? why are we doing this as opposed to everything else? So I think like when you think about political safety, it's not just the people, but it's how do you interact with those people to say, this is still the strategy, this is still important. And the support you get from leadership that when you stick to it or you make changes because it's aligning with what we're seeing out there. What a great discussion. We, we're, we're running out of time. I do wanna get us to our lightning round. Uh, and we're going to be fairly lightning. We got a large group, and we're we're running out of time. So, what does success in pivoting product strategy enable? Right? If we get good at this, what can we achieve? Paul Hatala. Wow, uh, kicking that off. Uh, my first thing thought is uh, avoiding the the obvious failure paths. Avoiding the obvious failure paths. I like that, Dominic. Uh, growth. Growth. Love that. Dutch. Oh, I'm sorry. What was the question? Uh, I was already. What does success that what does success and pivoting product strategy enable? Uh, all right. Come back and let me think about that. <laughs> all right. Corey. Business agility. Business agility. Lowercase. A, I like that. Karen. I like business agility. That that was that no that that actually put a name to what I was thinking. All right, so a whole bunch of words that she couldn't figure out a name for, and Corey brings in business agility, and she goes with that. I'll I'll take that. Uh, Dutch, I'm I'm gonna go with trust. trust. Trust in your team. I mean, if you're success with the strategy, then the next time you make recommendations, they're more likely to believe you. Awesome. I love that. Adam, before your battery dies. Uh, oh, trust is such a great answer. Um, <laughs> differentiation um, Dif in the marketplace. Differentiation in the marketplace. Oh, I love that. Awesome. Leah. Speed and candor. Speed and candor. Boy, we're coming. 
hard today. May. Focus. Focus. Steve, you're going to take my answer, aren't you? You always do. I think I will go back to um, business agility. Uh, I'll just do a ditto on business agility. Okay. And I'm going to go with what does it enable? It enables you to have product success on purpose, right? You're intentional. You, you, if you're successful at it, you always know that you can be making the right change and become systematic and it gets embedded in your company and you will have ongoing product success intentionally. So, wow, Adam, thank you for the great, uh, you know, talking point. We get, you know, we started with, with, with your article, uh, we got going, uh, and what an amazing conversation. I want to thank, you know, Adam, Eva, DJ, who always already had to leave. Uh, Paul, Dominic, Corey, Karen, Dutch, Leah, May, and of course my partner, Steve. Every week we have these amazing conversations. Every week I change and grow and learn. Uh, and I guess that's what it's about, right, Steve? Product management's about learning. Absolutely. Uh, learning is at the core of product management. Lear learning is at the core. So thank you guys for helping me learn, helping me grow, helping me gain more success on purpose and pivot when I need to. Uh, we do this every week, Monday, the question goes in the community. Wednesday, we have the poll. And on Fridays, we have these amazing conversations. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week in the community. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. For more great content and to participate in the Topic of the Week conversations, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation.